0: Well, why don't we take this moment to pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. You are worthy. You are worthy of our praise. Thank you for your presence, so beautiful, so kind and good and gentle. And in a world that doesn't receive you and so often doesn't recognise you at all, We lift you up, we exalt you, we magnify you, we love you, we love you Lord Jesus and we need you. We need you to speak, we need you to refine us, we need you to fill and empower us. We lift you up, give you the praise and the glory that is worthy of your name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning again from me. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, Where James and Lou kindly invited me to preach, they said very generously that I can speak about anything at all. And that's uh, quite a rare experience for me because usually wherever I go, I'm given a reading, told what to preach on with set readings. So I've been praying and asking God to lead me to a passage of of scripture and the Spirit has led me to the first few verses of the first letter to the Thessalonians. Uh, So do grab a Bible if you've got one near to you or one on your phone, Uh, try to resist the the phone perhaps because it's too tempting to just go on social media. But um, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians and I've really been bowled over by this passage because it really... Uh, speaks powerfully to our circumstances as we embark on this new year in the context of the local church living through a global pandemic. So we're going to read together now uh, from 1 Thessalonians, verses 1 to 3. And uh, as I say, if you've got a Bible, can read along with me. That would be great. Verse 1, Paul, Silas and Timothy. These are the people writing the letter. To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you we always thank god for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers we remember before god our father your work produced by faith your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our lord jesus christ thessalonia was a massive city it was a major port on the edge of greece and uh, what's happening here in the first century is a man named paul has become a christian and he's traveling all over the mediterranean from city to city to tell everyone about jesus and uh, thessalonica actually is a city it's still there you can uh, pop over to gatwick and for 50 quid you can fly british airways uh, perhaps for your post covid holiday Uh, so it's a real place this is not fairy stories in the bible real people real places real history and uh, Paul sets sail there to Thessalonica in about AD 50 uh, 15 years after Jesus death and resurrection and what Paul wants to do is start a church Paul is a Jew so he goes naturally to the synagogue and he speaks with whoever will listen to announce that the Jewish Messiah has come Jesus is the Lord and Savior of the world and Jesus was crucified, but is alive. And wonderfully, a whole range of people in that place respond to the gospel and put their faith in Jesus. And some of them are Jews, some of them are not. There's men, there's women, and a small church of believers is born in Thessalonia. But unfortunately, it's not all a good story. The little church immediately meets with conflict. Uh, the Christians are saying that Jesus is Lord, But the Roman Empire insists that the Emperor Caesar is Lord. That's what you must say. So actually then a mob in the city start to riot against the church leaders. And then the city officials join in and gang up against the Christians. And the Apostle Paul has to flee for his life. So uh, Paul travels along down the coast when he gets to Athens or Corinth he writes this letter back to this little new church in Thessalonia and Paul has really only got one aim here is a church under pressure they haven't been Christians for very long already they're being sorely tested by a really tough time of struggle and he just wants to give them spiritual encouragement so that's my aim today as i speak with you dear brothers and sisters of the chanctonbury churches Uh, i know there's a number of you and you you perhaps haven't been christians for very long and here we are being the church in this pandemic (coughs) oh excuse me sneezy this morning um we're under significant pressure it's a time of testing it's a deeply traumatic time for many people And I wanna give you spiritual encouragement. The word encouragement is from French. It means to strengthen your heart. Could your heart do with some strengthening today? Well, there's three things in our verses that I want to draw out for us. And it's a bit like the legs of a tripod. These three words give strength to every Christian heart. And here they are, faith, love, and hope. Paul is writing to tell the believers how thankful he is for them in prayer. And he says there in verse three, we thank God for your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope, faith, love and hope. So we'll start with faith. Paul is writing to help them stand with certainty in the midst of adversity. The faith that these young Christians are showing is an undeniable work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit who works in us to cause us to trust in Jesus. So anywhere we see any faith, you might think, oh, I haven't got very much faith. But faith as small as a mustard seed, that is cause for thanksgiving, for the work of the Spirit in you or in other people. Now, I don't know about you, but... COVID is testing our faith, isn't it? Suffering is always really hard to reconcile with faith in a good and all-powerful God, especially wide-scale suffering of such magnitude. And as we watch the numbers of deaths go up and up and we see you know, levels of fear and grief all around us and in our families and friends, and I expect some of you have lost people that you love dearly, we naturally find our faith can take a bit of a hit. But when we take that struggle to God in prayer, when we share that struggle with wise Christian friends, we almost always find a really remarkable thing. Seasons of great suffering serve to deepen our faith, not to erase it. In my experience, it's not seasons of suffering and testing that we should fear in terms of losing our faith. Seasons of suffering almost always work to draw us closer and closer to the heart of God himself because he is a suffering God. Jesus bears the scars of unspeakable suffering himself, and he meets us powerfully when we're undone by trial and hardship. Suffering makes us think about God in the right way. He's not a distant hero, sort of powerful on the throne, reigning from far off. We worship the God who comes close. We trust in a God who's familiar with suffering. He understands grief. His spirit comes alongside us and is present in hardship. So these Thessalonian Christians and we can be encouraged. We don't have to fear that a tough season will rock our faith. We can be pretty confident that a tough season will refine and even renew our faith. Actually, what's much more dangerous to people's faith, as far as I can tell, are seasons of ease seasons of comfort and coasting and complacency because we become desensitized and prayerless. There's no fire in us for intercession. There's just lukewarm compassion for the world around us. That is dangerous to our faith and that's definitely not the season we're in. This is a season of suffering and as we draw close to Jesus, our faith will be strengthened. In the Christian life, if you want to have strong faith, it is not about your efforts to try harder, to believe the gospel more strongly. If you feel that your faith is weak and you want more faith to help you through, it's not a case of your effort. You don't sort of summon up uh, your mind power to kind of doubt God less and believe in him more strongly. That's not how it works. Faith is about your trust in Jesus as a surrender to him. In your weakness, casting yourself onto God. A wonderful uh, contemplative Christian, excuse me, I just need to have a sneeze. Sorry, when it's pre recorded, you can edit out your sneezing, but not when it's live. <laughs> so let me tell you about Henri Nouwen. He's a brilliant Christian. And um, he, he spent some time visiting uh, a circus, visiting performers at a circus in France. And um, he was a very observant person. He was absolutely fascinated by the trapeze artists in the circus. And the trapeze artists always work in pairs. One is the flyer, and one is the catcher. And Henry Nowen writes this. One day, I was sitting with Rodley, the leader of the troupe, in his caravan, talking about flying on the trapeze he said as a flyer i must have complete trust in my catcher the public might think that i am the greatest star of the trapeze but the real star is joe my catcher he has to be there for me with split second precision and grab me out of the air as i come to him in the long jump so Henri now said well rodley how does it work The secret, Rodley said, is that the flyer does nothing and the catcher does everything. When I fly to Joe, I have simply to stretch out my arms and hands and wait for him to catch me and pull me safely over the bar. You do nothing? Henri said, surprised. Nothing, Rodley repeated. A flyer must fly and a catcher must catch. And the flyer must trust with outstretched arms that his catcher will be there for him. He will be there when you make your long jump. Don't try to grab him. He will grab you. Just stretch out your arms and trust, trust, trust. Speaking personally for a minute, I've really hated this pandemic. I've absolutely hated it. But... I think it's true to say it has helped my faith. It's been a time when idols have been stripped away, things I rely on for purpose or security have crumbled, and that's been a good thing. And with the disappointment of all the great things that have been cancelled, it's made me realise how much of my life is spent in anticipation. I've been always living in the future, always looking ahead to the next thing that I'm looking forward to. And as soon as that good thing arrives, I'm always looking ahead to the next thing. This pandemic has has really revealed that to me. And now all we've got is today. All I've got is this moment right now. Will I be present right now and attuned to God's presence? And God has spoken powerfully to me that not only is he present with me in every moment, he's also wanting to work in me every moment. And bad days have become bad weeks that are now bad months. And we were so excited to say goodbye to 2020. And yet the first few weeks of 21 have been awful. And God says, there is nothing that can happen to you that I cannot use to form you more like Jesus. So the invitation is to surrender to reach out in faith every moment and find that God is present and active every moment. So Paul names faith in these Christians. And then he also calls out their love in verse three. He thanks God that these times of trial have meant that they have labored for God because of the love that is in them. If we think of faith that draws us up towards God in trust, Love is what draws us out to other people to serve others in God's name. Now, the pandemic has closed down a lot of our programmes at church, and it's felt sometimes like a bit of a straitjacket on all kinds of things. But the virus has no power at all to constrain the ministries of love that spring from the church. We know as Christians that love isn't, isn't just a feeling, it's deeply practical. Love is an action. So I want to encourage you, don't grow weary in loving your neighbour as yourself. Jesus is clear when he said that command, love your neighbour as yourself. We are to love ourselves. It's right and good to be loving towards yourself. And I, I want to make this point because I think a lot of us are really bad at this. We're living through a devastating global pandemic lives and livelihoods have been lost and there is real fear if you are feeling anxious afraid depressed these are entirely appropriate feelings they're entirely normal it's an understandable response and yet what we do is we go on instagram and we see a tanned celebrity on the beach in Barbados and we look at their perfect body and we condemn ourselves Well, why haven't I used these months of lockdown to lose weight and get into the best shape of my life? How useless am I? So we flick to Twitter and we see someone has posted a picture of the 53 books that they read in 2020. And a voice in our head says, well, you're such a rubbish person. You haven't even read a single book all year. All you've done is sit with Netflix and all of nachos. So then we look at the website of another church and their YouTube hits for their online worship, uh, thousands and thousands. And a little voice says, well, my church just isn't very good. Would you be kind to yourself? Would you be loving, please, to you? Give yourself grace and gentleness, not condemnation and critique. Hear the voice of God over you that says you are my beloved. I have nothing but love in my heart for you. And then from that place of being the beloved, we love our neighbour. In verse three, we read this church under pressure didn't just love others with words, but with labour. The word there for labour means toil. There's a real sense of pain to it, of grief. Can I encourage you in this long haul to recognise the labour of love as you serve your community. We walk with people through their addictions. You're helping people who are suffering domestic violence or other kinds of abuse, helping people suffering and struggling with poverty, giving endlessly to those who are in debt or hungry or isolated or afraid. And this kind of love to other people brings us right into the heart and ministry of Jesus himself. And he is honoured by every labor of love, no matter how small. Love is a phone call. Love is a card in the post. Love is giving financially to the church. Love is intercession. Love is wearing a mask. Love is staying at home. As the the pandemic grinds on, you know, (laughs) some of you will live alone and, and that's hard. Some of you all live with other people, and that's hard. They get annoying and fractious, and so do you. Everyone's basic sense of selfishness kicks in. Don't give up on small labours of love. Love is doing the washing up and putting the bins out. Love is listening to your nine-year-old go on and on about Pokemon when you have no interest or energy for it whatsoever. Faith draws us up to God Love draws us out to others. Hope, hope draws us forward to the future. These young Christians in Thessalonica were filled with hope. This was one of their strongest attributes. They knew that Jesus would return one day and make everything new. They were convinced he would come to judge and end all sin that he would bring full salvation and healing and wholeness to the earth. All their suffering would end and there would be glorious eternal life in the fullness of his presence. They were people of great hope, really fervent expectation in the coming of their king. And that, says Paul, that is what gave them endurance. What a powerful thing hope is. Hope means that in the long haul, we triumph under God's victory. Corrie ten Boom was a Dutch Christian who was sent to a concentration camp by the Nazis. She said this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Now is a time to hold unswervingly to the hope that we have because the present day is a time of endurance. There's a verse in Proverbs 13 that says this hope deferred makes the heart sick and that's been so much of our experience hasn't it just endless and endless disappointments it makes sense that our hearts feel a bit sick as we start this year there's all been all this deferred hope with covid relationships education finances employment we looked forward to christmas and then everything was called off we were so hopeful 2020 was behind us and And look at the first two weeks of this year, all these terrible things in America that we've watched unfold that's made our hearts sick. We were so relieved at the vaccines arriving and now we know it's going to be months and months of waiting. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but the verse goes on to say, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Jesus is Lord. He is the fulfillment of all our longings and he won't disappoint. Paul says to the Thessalonians that their identity isn't that they're suffering. Their identity isn't what they're living through. Their identity, he writes in verse one, they are in the Father, they are in the Son. Their lives are hidden in God and they will be there for all eternity. Lots of things can change, lots of things can shift and fall and crumble. But if you're a Christian watching this morning, Your hope is secure. You are overwhelmingly secure. Let that captivate your heart. You are chosen and loved by the almighty God. He is coming soon to restore all things. The victory has already been won and it's not up to you and how well you do or don't do. You are safe in him forever. Dear friends, may you be drawn up towards god in faith out towards each other in love forwards towards 2021 in hope for the future he will be there when you make your long jump don't try to grab him he will grab you just stretch out your arms and trust 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 amen
1: Amen. Amen. I'm just going to pray for a few moments and just allow the Holy Spirit to apply uh, what Bishop Ruth so uh, inspiringly and clearly just uh, delivered to us now. Um, Let's, uh, if we're at home, why don't we just put our hands out in front of us uh, as a sign of receiving from the Lord and Uh, Lord, we, we thank you that you've been with us already this morning. We thank you, Jesus, that you never leave us nor forsake us. But we invite you nearer now, Holy Spirit. We pray, come to us, come to us personally right now. And would you call to mind and apply the truth of who Jesus is, the reality of the love of the Father, and would you come and fall on us with your power and your presence right now? As uh, Bishop Ruth was uh, talking so compellingly about being loved by God, loving ourselves so well, let's take ourselves to uh, the Jordan River. Two thousand years ago where jesus himself was baptized jesus the one who by his death and resurrection has enfolded us within his life so let's go to the baptism waters where he was baptized by john the baptist and as he was baptized as as the gospel tells us the heavens opened the holy spirit came down like a dove and the voice of the Father spoke, "This is my son, my beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. And Holy Spirit, may ye come and bring those words which the Father spoke over his son Jesus in such a real way to each of us now. The Father's speaking down over your life and over my life. This is my son, this is my daughter. You are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love, my beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would stir up within us such a mercy and a kindness and a compassion. Would you send us in your love to those around us? However that might be, WhatsApping, phoning, going for a walk with another individual. Would you send us to be your hands and feet at this time? May we, your church, serve so well and love our neighbors with the same love that you love us as we love ourselves. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, the son of God, the son of man, the one whom we love, the one who saved us, redeemed us and the one who will return again for us. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. 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 If we were together, I would say, and all God's people said together, Amen. So if you're looking at the screen, you might just want to say, Amen. Amen. Bishop Ruth, thank you. I'm, I'm so thankful for your ministry here this morning uh, on behalf of us all. And we're right now just going to do a quick um, Q&A with you. Um, so we've had one or two questions coming in already. You're going to have to be quick if you've got a burning question because we're not going to do this for ages because we wanna then go into ministry and encounter uh, and let Jim Waddell uh, and the team just um, apply and minister into what God's been doing this morning. Um, But first question, uh, Bishop Ruth, is uh, top tips uh, that you would say for walking with God throughout the day. How do we stay connected with him in the everyday, the, the chores, the tasks, our work, uh, the demands of each, each and every day, how, how would you advise uh, and help us to stay connected throughout the day?
0: Oh, it's a great question. Um, the first thing I'd say, uh, there's a great phrase that helps me, because um, people sort of say, well, do you still have a quiet time in the morning? Do you pray in the morning? Uh, people say, well, I'm more of an evening person or I get in from work and then I pray. But somebody said to me once, because I'm a night owl, I'm an evening person. I'm not, you know, I don't sort of open my eyes at 6 a.m. and um, leap out of bed with loads of energy. But someone said to me once, don't, um, don't tune the orchestra after the concert. And uh, I really find that helpful That actually start the day start the day tune the orchestra before the concert um and and that could be sometimes you know the lord's prayer is enough uh, i have a, a a card with the prayer uh, written by um john stott that just is very trinitarian it's it's a prayer to the father a prayer to the son and a prayer to the spirit um or you might like morning prayer, or get an app like Lectio Three Six Five, brilliant uh, prayer app. Whatever works for you. But I would say that moment at the very beginning of the day is absolutely sacred um, to to orient yourself again towards God and to kind of dedicate the day to Him and whatever He has for you. For for me, I mean, it's just um, it is sacred, and then. Um, Some people set like a they have their watch that beeps on the hour. And then every time they hear that beep, they just remember uh, mentally and spiritually to kind of check in with God. Uh, That can be helpful. Um, The Church of England has a great rhythm of prayer because it's not just morning prayer. There's midday prayer and there's evening prayer and there's night prayer. So, you know, at this time, we're almost under house arrest. Uh, It's almost a monastic kind of living for some of us and actually why not start use start seeing yourself as a monk you know in a cell saying right we've got more time i'm not traveling anywhere zero hours of my day are spent in the car or on a commute on a train to london so actually uh, not just doom scrolling constantly through social media which can occupy if we're honest hours and hours of time say okay let's try out some more uh, a rhythm of prayer um and uh, and perhaps also i think in the menial bits of the day because we'll all have purposeful work uh purposeful conversations uh, but actually it's in the menial tasks so for me one thing is um like emptying the dishwasher or something like that where you say i'm gonna or boiling the kettle is another good one. Uh, Put a post-it note, you know, every time I boil the kettle, which I'll probably do about seven times a day, then there's a a few names there on that post-it note for prayer. So rather than just standing there doing nothing or while I'm emptying the dishwasher, my body is being engaged, but my mind could be anywhere. Actually, why not use it for intercession for for specific people? Um, The last thing I would say is um, absolutely essential is natural beauty, and I know loads of you will concur with this. We live, I mean, Changton the parish is stunning. We're our houses for walk. If you haven't got, you know, if you can't do that, you can look out the window and just breathe, look at the birds, meet God in creation. Um, something like something small, like a spider's web, or a pebble, or a leaf, or a snowdrop, you know uh there is something very spiritually powerful about god's creation and um and draw on that let that resource you there'd be my top tips
1: so good so good um uh, i love i think it's something for all of us to connect with uh, at our different stages and uh things in front of us so thank you so much um second one isn't isn't so much a question um, but just could you just say a sentence or two to encourage um, those who are parents now finding themselves managing homeschool um, whilst, you know, having to maybe get involved in a way like never before teaching the kids uh, as well as, you know, for some juggling work demands and responsibilities. Um, could you just say a sentence or two? Uh, Because I think that can be really challenging uh, just for those this morning.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm in that boat. I've got two young children. Uh, My husband works full-time. I work full-time. Here's my top tip. Lower the bar. (laughs) Lower the standards, you know. It, It goes back to what I was saying about loving yourself. You have to be kind. And the kids... When they look back on this, however small or, you know, teenagers have, you know, you just think the big picture is, are they going to remember this as a time when the parents were freaking out about their GCSE grades? Um, people were screaming at them. They hated, you know, this is tough for them, really tough for them. So grace abounds. So lower the bar, frozen chicken nuggets and TV dinners, it's okay um uh you know not really completing school work to the best of their ability that's okay you know we're all in a struggle so my my advice would be you know grace upon grace upon grace and be kind to yourself as a parent you know i'm ofsted requires improvement you know i'm ofsted special measures and that's okay because i just want the big picture for my kids to look back and say my parents weren't a nightmare uh, and, and the house wasn't a horrible place to be. The house was safe and peaceful and my parents were understanding and everyone just did their best. Um, and sometimes our best is going to look a bit rubbish. No one left the house today. No one got any exercise. Nobody learnt their French vocab. Um, it, you know, please be kind to yourselves.
1: So good. I think that picks up something you said in your sermon, didn't it, about not listening to the voice of condemnation on our shoulder, comparing ourselves to that beautiful family who eat brown rice and have Pilates together and a session and all of that. Yeah,
0: and I think we can be so worried about the amount of school that they're missing out on, Um, but the evidence is that kids are so resilient, kids will catch up, and please don't make the GCSE results your God. That's not what we're worshiping. We're not worshiping our future children's um, academic success. Um, the, the important thing is their soul, their spirit, their emotional development, and um, the sort of safety and security in the home. Uh, and and just keep that in perspective because we can be we can be so uh, anxious um, sometimes about education, and it's so important. But and the schools are doing an amazing job. But it's not God. Um, And, uh, you know, just keeping that in perspective. Yeah.
1: Pointing us um, outwards. Uh, The first one is, in what way would you say that we can practically give faith, hope and love to our neighbours and community during lockdown?
0: Well, I know you're doing loads. You mentioned the pantry, the warehouse where you can still donate, that it, is practical um, practical giving as much as possible, food banks. Um, some people are financially wrecked by COVID. Other people are financially benefiting. If you were someone who used to spend 7,000 pounds on your season ticket to, to commute into London, and now you're working from your home office, or your petrol bill, or your cost of coffee bill, Um, And those sorts of costs in your life have gone. I want people to be really honest and say, actually, um, I am saving money because of lockdown. Well, why not offer that to God in prayer and say, Lord, what could I do with that money that I would have spent? Um, How could I use it to bless people who are now um, unemployed or, or really the bottom of the pile and suffering? Um, and there'll be everybody's in quite a different context within the church as well as within our communities. Um, so, so it's about that generous giving um, financially which is, which is an act of worship in itself. Um, so I just hope that we're not thinking oh fantastic I'm, I'm saving more money actually is that an opportunity where some of us could could be more generous? Um, I know that some some neighborhoods have got little whatsapp groups um and uh we're connecting with each other perhaps not just your christian friends or your uh kfc group but actually uh is there a chance to have a connecting group you know facebook and stuff it's amazing what can be done and it's not too late to set that stuff up i know it's lockdown three and the end is you know ahead of us hopefully with this vaccine but it's not too late to think oh well i should have done it by now i think actually tomorrow's a new day And it's not too late to set up something that connects with other people.
1: So good. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to just give you one final question. Um, And I think from our church, very much one that we would um, be both interested in, but also wanting to play our part in supporting what you're doing and leading us in as, as one of our bishops is what do you see god doing in the wider church of england in 2021
0: that's a great question Uh, it's hard to answer in in a few seconds but this has been a time of um it's like a catalyst time a lot of the trends that we were seeing have now been massively sped up and they're good and they're also catastrophic um so some of the great stuff that's happened on online and with new alpha online, that kind of thing has been brilliant because we've been able to, no doubt about it, reach people in mission and evangelism and in pastoral care that we would not have reached if we'd have just plodded on with um, our kind of uh, previous way of doing things. So, uh, and I think along with that, we've had a really healthy realisation about the value of certain gifts and skills that the lay people have. I've been connecting, you know, this morning with Simon on the technology and the, the sorts of people that churches have got behind the scenes who've got phenomenal gifts. Uh, actually those people have become more important than the priests in many ways. Whereas we used to have this terrible kind of pyramid view where the, the vicar is at the top and then there's kind of you know tiers of leadership and and lay people I think this has been really helpful in kind of flattening that and saying, wow, like we have in society where we've seen the bus drivers and the Tesco depot people and the the nurses and the hospital cleaners. They're the heroes. They're actually the ones that keep the country running on a crisis. And I think in the church, we've seen a similar thing Um, in terms of what really worries me and and grieves me. I think I can see all over the place we were making real strides in mission, particularly reaching the young. And I've seen a lot of um, church fringe people uh, drop away because of a lack of, of physical meetings, and that's that's sad. And also uh, financially, it is catastrophic uh, financially. A lot of churches, unfortunately, instead of being really supported by the generous giving and the tithing of the members Um, they were really propped up all the finances were propped up by rental income from church halls and obviously that income has gone and that's just knocked the the feet out of church finances all over the place so um, it's quite scary when you look at the the financial picture nationally um, but we will not be afraid. <laughs> we will pray um, for uh, really a, a new wave of discipleship, I think, in finances and in teaching tithing to church members because the Church of England is just not gonna survive uh, unless we really release generosity from, from more, more of our members. So that's just a few things.
1: Fantastic. Wow, well, uh, you've, you've given us so much this morning and um, lots uh, for us to, to reflect on, pray into. And I, I think for the church here, um, we, uh, we celebrate that God has sent you here with um, all your gifts and kindness and vision and inspiration. So thank you, thank you, Bishop Ruth. Uh, I think I would say on behalf of the church family here Um, please feel that you can call on us for uh, both seen but very much I would say unseen uh, tasks if we can help or support or serve uh, the wider picture in any way please please put us top of your uh, uh, list to call on uh, in that uh, in that setting Mm -hmm. Um, we are now gonna make a a close here and uh, we're going into ministry and encounter and uh, what I'd uh, uh, love to say is um, all of the ministry of what God is doing by his spirit kind of can some sometimes have felt a bit clunky uh, during lockdown uh, but we we're just hearing at prayers this morning some of the amazing things that God is doing um, this lady apparently this week uh, was prayed for back pain disappeared we've got a, an outstanding miracle I can't wait to tell you about when it's completed but halfway through at the moment Um, And so we just, again, just as we hit 2021, we want to keep uh, pressing that pedal of believing when Jesus announced that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it is breaking in, it is here. He is uh, coming in like a dawning sunrise into the world by his spirit. And so uh, just jumping across now into ministry and encounter, Jim Waddell, head of pastoral uh, with a team, he's going to be heading that up. Uh, A couple of um, things just that were coming out of early prayers this morning. Uh, Number one, and I think this has come across right throughout this morning's uh, meeting together, um, has been that God is doing a massive exchange right now. The exchange um, is put into words in Isaiah 61 verse 3, where the anointed one, and that's Jesus, is the one who swaps exchanges for us uh, a faint spirit, a spirit of despair, uh, mourning with the oil of gladness, with garments of praise. Uh, let, as Bishop Ruth preached this morning, let faith, hope and love arise uh, in the power of God's spirit this morning uh, in us all that we might serve his world so well. Um, just do you remember that famous um, and such inspiring example of Shadrach, Abishak, and Abednego, when they were threatened with the intimidation of their culture, and the king uh, wanted to throw them into the fire to destroy them, they said, you know what, our God will save us, and even if he doesn't, we will not stop praising him, and as they were thrown into the fiery furnace, uh, there was a fourth person there, um, a Christophany, the son of man, appeared amongst them and delivered them From that, and that's what God wants to do in each of our hearts this morning, for us as individuals, and for us corporately as church. And um, uh, finally, just one specific, um, one word of knowledge coming out this morning was that God was wanting to break in and heal migraines, and particularly if you've been that afflicts you in the left eye, that's one of the things that God wanted to uh, bring healing to this morning. So. Um, I'm going to ask Bishop Ruth to pop back and pray a final blessing uh, for us this morning. Then we're going to go into ministry and encounter. And um, we will see you uh, for church online. Um, Look out on the email for any updates from church. Uh, We will be kicking in with pre-service Coffee Connect at 9.30 again next Sunday. Um, Church online at 10.00. And their ministry and encounter straight afterwards. Um, but Bishop Ruth, if we can beam you in again or swap over to you, over to you to pray, uh, God's blessing on us all as we as we close church online.
0: So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord give you His peace and the blessing of God Almighty. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit rest upon you, remain with you. Those who you pray for this day and forever. Amen.